0: Welcome to Stutter Stories, where guests from around the world each share the ins, outs, ups, and downs of life and conversation as a person who stutters. Hosted by Tricia Hedinger and Ja Ben.
1: Hey Stutter Stories friends, we are going to do something very different today. We are going to read an excerpt from the book, Bully Blossom. A Tale of Overcoming Bullies and Embracing Stuttering to Live a Life of Achievement by Thad Cox and myself. This book is based on the life of Thad Cox growing up. Right now, Thad is in his 80s. He is a very successful retired businessman um, with a family and a wife, and he has a uh, decided that it was really important to share his story with the world. Like so many other guests on this podcast who have taken the time to share their life story and their vulnerabilities um, during an episode, uh, Thad has elected to write a book detailing his story growing up. So the first thing I asked him was, what was the purpose or the inspiration for writing this book, Thad? Um, and this was his response.
2: In elementary school, I stuttered very badly. I told your class on a scale of 1 to 10. I was a 9, which 10 being the worst. And It was really uh, tough being bullied. And- Uh, suffering through the problems of stuttering at a young age. I'm about a one and a half now, so I have progressed over life. And it took me a long time, but I thought, what happens to the individuals of the 20% that don't stop stuttering at at about age 12? Uh, I told your class my father stuttered and he stuttered up until he uh, died at age 81, but he got better. And so that gave me encouragement that I might ultimately get better. And so I thought if I could tell part of my story uh, and have you comment uh, what was going on with my bully and being uh, stuttering, that it may help a, a new stutterer or the parents of a stutterer, understand what's going on.
0: Yeah, I think um, there's not enough books out there where a person who stutters is a character, let alone the main character. There's a few and there's, you know, they're coming, you know, every once in a while you'll see one pop up, but there's just not that many. And and kids can really benefit from having a character um, that they could relate to.
2: Well, as you know, in my story, I, I talk about uh, being bullied in, like, say, elementary school. And what I learned there was that to try to form a team of helpers to help me, you know, in the boxing batch I was in, I had somebody was my towel man and a water man and a stool man. And that helped me uh, in that uh, uh, match with the the bully in boxing. And in college, I had a team that helped me uh, as I was Rush chairman of our fraternity. And we just had a spectacular success in rushing, not necessarily because of me, but because of my team. Uh, If I could get that message across to young people uh, that stutter that are in that uh, 20% that that don't quit stuttering at age 12. To tell them there's a real uh, success story out there, they just have to get off the bench and get in the Mm gate and work hard and build teamwork and it will be successful for you.
0: Yeah, I, I I think it's such a great story to tell because people don't like to talk about bullying kids don't like to talk about it and and adults don't like to talk about it because primarily it's such a hard problem to solve. It's not something that we could just do and it's not just about expelling the people that cause the problems. There's so bullying is such a complicated topic and because it's so Devastating to so many young people and their parents and their families that it it just becomes hard to talk about. And so to have a story like yours out there, I think is really valuable.
2: Well, as you recall, the bullying in the elementary school was so tough on me. I considered suicide. It was yeah. just, and my aunt uh, recognized what was going on. And, was a much comfort to me and and talked me out of the idea and then Mm -hmm. my brother my older brother who had always helped me fight off the bullies he he gave me a suggestion on how to reconcile the issue with a particular bully that was working on me and that worked out so Mm -hmm. there were a lot of people in my life that were very helpful i just hope that some young people that are in a similar Mm -hmm. situation of being bullied are are fortunate enough to have some people to help them. And I think your advice in the book, uh, which comes with each character on what helpers can do mm. to help the stutters is vitally important.
0: I think it's good that you can tell this story because it's easier to talk about it once you're out of the emotional state of it. It can be so hard to talk about or tell or share a story when you're in the midst of a highly emotional situation. But once you've been removed from it or, or it gets, can get some perspective to see how that's just one small part of your life and it has it has passed even, um, that it gives other, it gives readers some hope.
2: Well, I think you're right. See, I didn't wanna just write a book to give by experiences and opinion i wanted to get your Mm uh professional uh opinions on what to be done and i wish more studders would write books giving their experiences because i know i only had a few experiences and and uh, others have had much more dramatic experiences and to share those i think would be important
0: i agree I agree. Well, thank you very much for being our guest. And shortly, short to follow, we will have a reading of an excerpt from Bully Blossom uh, for you all to listen to. So thank you so much for being a guest, Thad.
2: You're welcome. Call, call anytime.
0: Bully Blossom, a tale of overcoming bullies and embracing stuttering to live a life of achievement by Thad Cox and Trisha Hettinger. Forward by Trisha Hettinger. I have a lot of friends who stutter. I would say more than 20. If you count my acquaintances and people I just know casually, it's well over 100. As you may know, kids who stutter, along with kids who are quiet, wear glasses, have disabilities, wear the wrong shoes, are too short, too tall, thinner, heavier, have hair that sticks up in the back, or are anything that isn't perceived as perfect in that moment, are susceptible to bullying. Nearly 70% of kids are somehow involved in the bullying process, whether they were the victim, watched someone be bullied, or were the bully. It's not just kids either. Adults get bullied too. Let me tell you about some of my friends who stutter. They are mostly all grown up now. One of my friends who stutters is a professor who stands in front of a classroom every day and teaches thousands of college kids. Another is a world-famous author who goes around the globe talking to millions of people about the books he wrote. One of my younger friends stood on a stage in Nashville and sung to an enormous audience at only 10 years old. Another is a music producer, one is a brilliant neuroscientist, two are motivational speakers. Another went on to become an unbelievable speech therapist who helps other kids who stutter. Do you know what they all had in common, aside from stuttering? Once upon a time, they all thought to themselves, life would be better if I'd just stopped talking. Some decided to never again raise their hand in class, even if they knew the answer. A few thought about learning sign language and pretending they were deaf, so they would not have to deal with stuttering. Others thought that maybe the world would be better off if they had just disappeared. When they were kids, they experienced the struggle of physical violence, harsh words, exclusion, isolation and or the feeling of being different than other kids. Some had parents that helped them along, while others grew up in families who avoided talking about stuttering, or got mad when they struggled to talk. At some point in their lives, these friends made the courageous decision to not give stuttering power over their life. They did not let the judgmental looks, thoughts, or words of others subtract potential from amazing career and life plans. Some intentionally used their experiences with stuttering to develop skills that set them on the path for success. These friends of mine who stutter elected not to sit silently on the sidelines. They raised their hands. They said what was on their mind. They confronted challenges, even when those challenges were really hard. In my work as an associate professor and clinical supervisor at the Hearing and Speech Center at the University of Tennessee, I've come to appreciate the courage and resourcefulness of those who come to our center for help with their particular speech difficulties. This is a story of my friend, Thad S. Cox. When he was 11, An agonizing episode with a bully served as a seed that ultimately blossomed into a highly successful business career. Thad went on to become the president and CEO of a major bank. He's owned a chain of successful stores and properties, celebrated 60-plus years of marriage, and had two children. He attributes his grand success to the challenges he was forced to face as a kid. His need to overcome obstacles and deal with difficult people from early on put him in a position as an adult to take risks, solve problems, and push through trying times when others may have given up. Today, he still thinks about calling that bully to say thank you. Chapter One Boxing a Bully. Round one. I'll start my journey when I was 11 years old, standing in a boxing ring with a bulky mouth guard and huge puffy gloves covering my fists. What have I done? I thought to myself. This was a stupid idea. What was I thinking? My boxing match is about to begin now, and I'm so scared. I brought this match upon myself. I must be crazy. I wish I was home. I started to sweat heavily, and my eyes were blurry from droplets trickling off my forehead. My opponent, Richard Holloway, looked five inches taller than me, at least 25 pounds heavier, and had longer arms by at least three inches. I knew that I was in big trouble. The referee said, Boys, Touch gloves, start boxing, and may the best boy win. Then he rang the bell. Bop, jab, hit, get hit, duck, and jab again. Back up, dance around the ring, duck again. Throw another punch and take another punch. The boxing lessons that my older brother Johnny had given me were finally kicking in. That was until Richard hit me really hard for the first time. And everything became a blur. I just started swinging my arms as best as I could trying to defend myself. The boxing pros say that you might have a good plan until the first time that you get hit hard in the face. And they were right. The referee had outfitted us with the largest gloves that he could find and head protection gear as well. He said there would be three rounds of three minutes each. And this was just the first. Before the bell for the next round comes along, let me back up and tell you how I got here. I was just starting my fifth grade year at St. Mary's Catholic School in downtown Knoxville, Tennessee. In previous years at St. Mary's, bullies had b- picked on me because of my stuttering, and my brother Johnny had always come to my rescue. They had a nickname for me, t t When they saw me on the playground, they taunted me with my nickname. When Johnny saw what was happening, he made a direct beeline to my side, and the bullies stopped. But when Johnny left my side, they would start up again. It made me feel embarrassed and mad at the same time, but I felt too small to do anything about it. Some bullies carried around a medium-sized walnut about half the size of a golf ball. They would tie it up in the middle of a large bandana and secure it with a rubber band. Then they would swirl it around in the air and use it as a weapon. They hit younger students on the back of the head when they were not looking. It would really hurt, but not cause a concussion because it was usually just kind of a glancing blow. At, resor- at recess, students learned to stand against the wall so no one would sneak up behind them and get a whack. One day, when I wasn't watching, Richard Holloway snuck up behind me and thumped me with his walnut weapon. Johnny saw me crying and Richard bragging to his friends about what he had done. Johnny came over and attacked Richard, knocking him down and out with his strong left-hand uppercut. Johnny asked the other bullies if any of them wanted some medicine, and he got no takers. After that episode, the bullies stopped bothering me. Johnny said, thank heaven, he was tired of fighting. But that was the last year for Johnny's help. Johnny had graduated and was no longer there to protect me. I worried about my lack of protection for weeks leading up to the new school year. I had attended school The first few days and everything seemed fine. Then one day Richard came up to me and said that he couldn't wait to get even. He said he was going to keep an eye out and get me when the time was right. Obviously he was enjoying keeping me in suspense. I was a nervous wreck. I was so afraid to go to school that I skipped all my classes and hung out around downtown until it was time to catch the bus and ride home. My teacher called home to see if I was sick. Mother and dad were very upset and didn't know what to think. They knew I was acting strangely and were concerned, but they didn't really follow up. I'd asked to change schools earlier in the summer, but dad thought that St. Mary's was a better choice than the public schools. I was disappointed with their decision, but didn't really have a choice. We had a widowed Aunt Irma living with our family, and she always had good intuition. She felt that something was terribly wrong with me, but chose not to interfere. No one but me was aware of the potentially violent Richard Halloway problem. I didn't want to bother Johnny again, even though he had helped me before. I was alone and scared. I was frustrated and even depressed. I knew that Richard was going to get me sometime, and I couldn't escape. His gang of bullies had their brass knuckles and switchblade knives and carried them all the time. I felt sure they could kill me if they wanted. I didn't see any way to escape. I even thought of suicide. If I was going to die, why not do it on my own terms? I could use poison or too many sleeping pills like those famous movie stars took, which would be better than bleeding to death by a knife wound alone in an alley. Instead of worrying about how I was doing in school, I was figuring out the best way to take my own life. I saw myself quietly lying in a casket with silk pillows around my head. The back room of Clack's funeral home seemed like a calm place where a kid would not likely be beaten to a pulp or stabbed to death. I went to a funeral there once last year, and it wasn't so bad. I pictured myself comfortably positioned, on the soft interior of a shiny, dark, wood, expensive-looking box, surrounded by people whispering, what a wonderful boy I was. Maybe everyone would be so distraught by my death that they would forget about my stuttering for a few hours. I could not imagine how good that would feel. I definitely did not want to be buried in a suit like a grown-up, I thought to myself. There was no way I was going to heaven and spending the rest of eternity in a tie. I wanted to wear the cowboy shirt and vest my Aunt Irma made especially for me, plus those cowboy boots. I thought I should probably leave a note somewhere so my mom would dress me the right way. I was going to be so mad at her if she made, we, made me wear my black church shoes to my own funeral. They were too small and pinched my toes. And who names a funeral home "clacks"? It sounds like a sound effect for being murdered. A 12-year-old kid was walking down the street, and clack, he was killed by a baseball bat to the skull. I needed a more distinguished funeral home with an elegant-sounding name. Maybe Ellington's, or Walton's funeral home. i had experienced a life of ridicule and constant bullying. A funeral was the perfect opportunity for me to feel dignified. Besides, I stuttered on K's and C's. What if people in heaven asked me where my funeral was? That might be a common topic of conversation up there in the clouds. I could say Ellington's better than clacks. That would be the best place and the easiest word to say. I plan to leave that in my note to my mom, too. I hoped I wouldn't stutter when I got to heaven. It seems only fair that I had tolerated this affliction for my whole life on earth. Surely God would take it away from me after all my years of suffering. The name calling, mocking, and imitating me with d d does Thaddy Patty wanna play? Johnny saw me daydreaming and could see that I was disturbed. Looking at my face and knowing my history, he surmised my problem was with Richard. He instructed me to keep going to school and we would work something out soon. Johnny's interest in finding a solution to my problem gave me confidence and made me think quit thinking about suicide. Like always, Johnny would figure something out. I started going back to school, but when recess came, I wouldn't go outside to the playground. Instead, I stayed in the classroom where I felt safe. The bullies wouldn't find me there because I could hide in the closet if they came into the classroom. There was a student named Freddy that stayed in the classroom, too. He was very small in stature, and the bullies nicknamed him Stumpy. The bullies loved to verbally torture him. Mother packed me a lunch every day, and when lunchtime came, I would go to the cafeteria and buy my carton of milk with a straw and head to the bathroom. Sounds strange? The other students did not want to sit with me because I attracted bullies to my table. Even the most confident students did not want to risk unnecessary exposure to Holloway and his lackeys. So the safest place for me to eat lunch was a toilet stall in the bathroom behind a locked door. I realized this was an unsanitary solution to the problem, but it worked. I put my milk carton on the toilet paper roll and ate my lunch seated on the toilet. This wasn't much fun, but was an acceptable alternative to torture. One day, Stumpy came in the bathroom and rattled my stall door. I said, Occupied. He said, Sorry, and went to the next stall and locked the door. He noticed my stuttering and said, Is that you, Thad? I said, Yes. What are you doing? He said, What do you think? I'm eating lunch just like you are. I thought, Too bad, my secret's out. There was another kid who had trouble with the bullies too. His name was Marvin. He had a club foot. His left shoe had 3-inch sole, a 3-inch sole and he walked with a slight limp. The bullies named him Clubby and teased him whenever he was around. He met Freddy and me in the bath, in the classrooms during recess, but he didn't want to go to the playground either. Freddy told him about where we ate our lunches and he wanted to join us. He asked, what if a nosy priest comes into the bathroom? I said. He asked, what if a nosy priest comes into the bathroom? I said, we 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 would go into a stall and lock the door and keep it locked until the priest was gone. We all met the next day in the bathroom, and each of us had our own stall. The problem was, there were only a total of three stalls, so if anyone else wanted to use the bathroom, he wouldn't have a place to go. One day, someone rattled on Marvin's door three or four times and insisted that he leave the stall. As a solution, I asked Marvin to join me. It was a tight fit, and Marvin had to stand up and eat and hold on to his own milk carton. But at least there were no bullies present to threaten us. I wondered what the nuns would do if they found us all huddled in the stalls with our sandwiches. Would they yell at us to go out and join the other kids? Surely a reasonable human being would take pity on the disabled kids targeted by bullies. They must think, those poor babies with their disfigured limbs and that kid who can't talk, I'll just let them be. Then again, if imperious, cruel Sister Mary Margaret found us, she would probably think she was doing us a grand favor by forcing us out of the stall to deal with our problems. Maybe she would think we were avoiding reality by hiding out in the bathroom. Maybe she was kind of right. But safety was my top priority. I could make a plan to deal with life another day. Another day. Today, I wanted to steer clear of bruises and black eyes. I walked from school through downtown every day to get to the bus stop to ride home. The previous year, Johnny was there to walk with me, but this year, I was alone. I realized that being alone downtown was a perfect place for Richard to ambush me. Again, I could see myself bleeding to death in some dark back alley. I took different routes to the bus stops so I wouldn't have a set pattern. Still, I was nervous and scared, and constantly looked over my shoulder to see if anyone was following me. Richard would come up to me in the hall between classes and say that my time was coming. He said, just a little longer, Thaddy. You'll get your punishment. I pleaded for him to leave me alone, but he just laughed and told me to watch out. I finally confessed my significant worries about my safety to Johnny, and he made a life-changing suggestion.
1: If you'd like to read more of Bully Blossom, search Amazon or click on the link in the episode description.